good afternoon and welcome to your DIY Health here on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on free conference call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram Retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. This program is meant to provide natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself health h-e-a-l-t-h your diy health.com and there's all kinds of information there all the products we talk about are there including the uh terahertz frequency devices and you've got two choices now my favorite being the uh terra bio or excuse me the um, terra p90 which is featured prominently at the top of the home page i've gotten better results with that in just uh, about a month and a half or so of having it than I had with all my Itericare stuff over the last year. Not saying the Itericare stuff's not great, but uh, this thing takes it to a whole new level. That's the best I can tell you. I have my wand on order. Hopefully we'll have it in a week or so, and uh, we'll give you updates on that as well. Uh, but uh, we'll get more into that later. Anyway, um, check while you're on the main site. Be sure and hit the radio shows tab. At the top of the page, you'll find the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm. And then right below that is the Google, or excuse me, the Rumble button. And yes, we're on Rumble now, um, Your DIY Health. If you put that into a search engine on Rumble uh, or just their search bar, it'll take you right to it. Or if you click that link on the, on the radio shows page, it will take you right to our Rumble page. Everything we've done since October 2nd, which is all shows in October and all shows in November, are archived. This show will be up about an hour and a half after the show is over. And um, that's generally about how long it takes me to get the thing uh, converted and uploaded. And then their system takes a little while to um, propagate and get it all in there. But it'll be there. And uh, I encourage you to go there and uh, like the or follow the page. Uh, like the videos and uh, that way more and more people will find out about it and we can get the word out far and wide about how you can restore your health naturally using science-based clinically verified medical nutrition um, terahertz frequencies pemf and other things that are totally safe and non-harmful and don't support the allopathic witch doctor community and big harma that's the best part so uh, check that stuff out, and then if you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information on the shows we do, when they're on, and how you listen. And then at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. And uh, lots of information there. The only thing you pay for is the products themselves. No, all the information is free. We encourage you to check it out and share it with other people as well. Now, keep in mind topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, Free Conference Call, uh, Rumble, any of the other platforms we're hosted on, or any of the Alphabet agencies out there listening in. 
Nothing we say in this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. All righty then. Um, just uh, changing some things on the screen here. And, boy, we got... Uh, my goodness, Friday is the Marine Corps' birthday. Hoo-hoo-hoo, Semper Fi to all the guys out there. Um, just do a little quick math here. The 248th anniversary of the U.S. Marine Corps this coming Friday, uh, two days from now. November 10th, 1775, Tuns Tavern is where the Marine Corps was born, and... Uh, A lot of water under the bridge since then. And then, of course, the next day is Veterans Day. All righty. Anyway, um, where are my news feeds? <laughs> I can never keep track of this stuff. It just keeps disappearing. I've got so many, many different uh, windows open. Trying to find the right one uh, can be tough. Okay, uh, well, first thing, yesterday towards the end of the show, we were talking about IP6, and um, uh, it's what used to be known as vitamin B8 or inositol. And um, the uh, if you missed that, it's the, I'll tell you what, it's a great show. There's a lot of information there about people who have utilized this uh, innocuous product to reverse cancer. And um, I played a little clip of a person I heard on a radio, uh, on a, um, what do you call it, uh, conference call on Monday, who was talking about this product. And um, just for the fun of it, let me get that up here real quick and we'll play it again because it is worth repeating. Um, let me find it here. There it is. All righty, yeah, listen, give this a listen. It's really interesting. I've never called before. I was really grateful to hear you talking about Huda Clark and, and the different cancer cures. But I was with a pre-cancer um, several years ago, and I decided to do some research, and I found out that in 1992, a product was patented by a Dr. Shamshuddin, that not only prevents but cures cancer. And it's really simple to make. You buy two chemicals from a bulk company, do it one-to-one, -one, take it according to your weight, and just take it. And six months later, you'll be cancer-free. My girlfriend, who had stage 4 breast cancer, refused all treatment, and she went back to the oncologist later, and he couldn't find anything. And the only thing that she and I did in common was take the nutrient, because it's a nutrient, it's inositol hexaphosphate and inositol vitamin B8. The only thing we did in common was take it because our diets and lifestyles are totally different. Mm -hmm. Then I found an article more recently on the NIH that talks about IP6 plus inositol cured stage 4 melanoma. And the article goes on to say that this woman who, you know, it was written by a doctor, that her patient had 
absolutely refused to do any of the conventional therapies, went online, bought Sham Shudden's product called IP6 Gold, took it, and came back with no melanoma. So there's more, this, this is like the cure. What I can, my, in my final analysis of this, what they're doing is they're writing new NIH articles about using IP6 plus inositol or just inositol, whatever they're doing. And they're doing it with chemotherapy and they're raving about how much it, it helps the chemotherapy. Well, I'm a walking example of somebody who didn't need chemotherapy and took it and my problems went away. So it, they're now also adding that it's plentiful in the food supply. That this IP6 plus inositol is especially found in beans, of all things. Mm -hmm. And my question to them is, if it's so plentiful in the food supply, why do all these people Also asking the question. I think that it's the missing nutrient and it works. And I encourage everybody who's listening and anybody else, go look it up. Just look up IP6 plus inositol melanoma and that article will come up and you'll see that this patient just refused everything but that. And I know that I have two friends that did it plus myself. I had a pre-cancer of the esophagus. It's gone. There you go. And I apologize for that uh, break-in of sound or somebody talking. Um, a stupid YouTube. I was uh, trying to check out another uh, video. And even though I have every setting on my computer I can possibly find, including the setting on YouTube itself to disable autoplay, the stupid thing still plays auto. It comes on without me telling it to, and it routinely jumps in and screws up something I've got going on. I apologize for that. I'm at my wit's end with this stupid thing. I can't figure out what's going on with it, how to change it and fix it so it doesn't do that. But it's still doing it what i have to do and this is a royal pain because i'd have to do it with every single screen that i bring up is mute it individually because one of the other problems i have is i've got so many different browser windows open um if i shut down the browser and then start it up again i've got 30 different windows many of which have multiple youtube things in it and they all start playing at once and I've got to go through and find them all or shut the thing down again. But every time I bring it up, it starts playing again. And it's a royal pain in the backside. And YouTube is the only one that does this. I've got it set on all my other channels, uh, um, BitChute, Rumble, all those. When you tell it not to autoplay, they don't. But YouTube is just a royal pain in the backside. I don't know why they do it, why they even have a switch on there, because it doesn't do anything. You know, I've got it the toggle set so that it doesn't autoplay, but it does. <laughs> Royal pain. And uh, it always seems to happen, especially when I am uh, doing something on a show. And uh, one of the other things uh, I want to mention yesterday towards the end of the show, um, Mark or Unplugged brought up a question um, regarding the longevity supplements many of them, including the Beyond Tangy Tangerine and a few others, have inositol in them. And one, he was wondering whether that was sufficient. Well, not really, because um, the uh, levels of inositol in those um, products are 
uh, relatively low. Um, the regular Beyond Tangy Tangerine, I think, has 25 milligrams. And um, a regular recommended dose of uh, this product, um, uh, where was it? Um, uh, I had the thing open here. Again, another browser window. <laughs> yeah, um, the individual t uh, jack uh, things that uh, this the IP6 International Inc. or IP6 Gold, which is the um, product that was put out by the guy who originally did this, uh, discovered it or patented it. Um, there's like 800 milligrams in uh, two capsules, which is two capsules twice a day is the general wellness protocol. Uh, so you're getting uh, 1,600 milligrams or 1 1.6 grams a day. Um, for maximum support, they recommend four caps twice a day, uh, which would be uh, 3,200 milligrams if I, uh, or 3.2 grams. So there's a whole lot more in the uh, individual capsules than what you're getting in a, in a regular dose of Beyond Tangy Tangerine. It's there as a helper, but it's not a, uh, what you would consider a therapeutic dose, I guess you could say, um, for cancer and other things. So, you know, there's enough there. It'll help a little bit, but, um, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, we've had situations where, uh, you know, on my website under the support info tab, I've got a downloadable file uh, called the uh, Clemson Report. And this was back in, I think, 2011, 2013, somewhere around there. Clemson University decided to do a um, their own study. We didn't ask them to do it. They just did it on their own. They looked at two of our products, the original Beyond Tangy Tangerine and uh, Ultimate Classic, which was our first uh, liquid all-in-one. And they were looking at three things. First off, were they harmful in any way? And the answer was absolutely not. Uh, second one was, do they prevent inflammation? Which was, uh, yes, they do. And the third thing was, do they kill cancer cells? And they were using uh, human colorectal cancer cells in vitro or in test tube. And both products, when applied to the cancer cells, killed it very, very quickly. Um and I'm sure that the inositol in the product was one of the things that helped. But along with that, you've got selenium and, you know, many other things. But, um, you know, so there's, uh, there's great anti-cancer, cancer-fighting uh, properties in the uh, nutritional products. And, of course, I always recommend taking those. You know, I would do a broad-spectrum approach if I was ever diagnosed with cancer, which I'm uh, – pretty much 100% certain I won't be, uh, just because I'm what I do on a regular basis that's preventative in nature. But if I was, I would be doing a complete, uh, you know, the 90 essential nutrients with extra selenium uh, for my body weight. Um, I would be doing C60. I would be doing CBD oil. I would probably be doing the um, sodium bicarbonate half teaspoon and eight ounces of warm water uh, up to seven times a day um, all kinds of things like that to help with uh, and plus I would be doing the um, the p90 uh, foot device that I've been using and all of those things would make this stuff uh, history real quick um, but I would also be doing the IP6. <laughs> Based on what I've seen now, uh, I would definitely be using this. Uh, it's made from rice bran, of all things. I mean, it's totally safe. Um, vegan, if you're so inclined. Safe for pets. Um, 
supports natural killer cell activity, which is obviously uh, an important thing you want to have if you got cancer. Um, and it, all the tests have shown that it can be used along with any holistic approaches or allopathic treatments and would not interfere with any of those things. It would actually um, make, you know, the studies on uh, PubMed have shown that using this along with chemotherapy, for example, will lessen the negative effects of the chemotherapy. More than likely, if you just not do the chemotherapy and do this by itself, you probably have even better results. Um, but that's a whole different story. But anyway, um, I wanted to touch base on that and let, uh, you know, if Mark uh, shows up, uh, let him know that, um, you know, it is, uh, e even though uh, inositol is found in the Longevity products, it's in levels far lower than what would be uh, considered a therapeutic dose. Also, um, if I can figure out what I did with it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I have to get back to that. Um, goodness gracious. There was something else I was going to look at. There's another article I found. Believe it or not, it was on, uh, I think it was WebMD. And now I can't figure out what I did with it. I've got all these things in so many different locations and so many different browser windows. Oh, uh, goodness. Where'd it go? My goodness. I hate when that happens. <laughs> hmm. I could have swore it was in this bunch. Uh, ah, there it is. Found it. WebMD, and this is health benefits of inositol from WebMD again. And this is <laughs> what I find interesting is it's um, medical doctor's information. But here's what the article says. Inositol, also called myo-inositol, d-chiro-inositol, or hexaphosphate IP6, plays a critical function in the body's cellular growth. Though it used to be referred to as vitamin B8, inositol is not actually a vitamin. It's a type of sugar that helps your body process insulin. Inositol used to be thought of as an essential nutrient, which is, which is any nutrient that must be obtained from your diet. However, observations have shown that liver and kidneys produce inositol from glucose, so it is not an essential nutrient. Yeah, the same is true of uh, cholesterol. Your body needs cholesterol, but because your body makes cholesterol, it is not considered an essential nutrient. But it doesn't make enough, so you have to get more from your diet. Anyway, in addition to being produced by your body, inositol is also found in a wide range of healthy foods. Though inositol is a sugar that your body produces from glucose, diets high in sugar can actually inhibit inositol availability. Health benefits. Inositol is essential for several different cellular processes. It acts as a secondary messenger for your cells and helps the, with functions such as regulating insulin and binding neurotransmitters. Additionally, inositol provides health benefits like improved metabolic syndrome. Metabolic syndrome includes several risk factors such as high blood pressure, belly fat, and high blood sugar, which all increase the risk for diabetes and heart disease. In one study, women who were postmenopausal and had metabolic syndrome took an inositol supplement for one year. 
At the end of the year, they all showed improvements in their metabolic syndrome. In fact, 20% of women no longer met the criteria for having metabolic syndrome. That's pretty good. One in five. Reduced the uh, chance of get, uh, gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes is a type of diabetes that only occurs during pregnancy. In one study, women at high risk for gestational diabetes were treated with inositol and compared to a group of women who were given a placebo. The women given inositol were less likely to develop gestational diabetes and less likely to require insulin. Management of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Ooh. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, is characterized by increased insulin resistance, which has side effects such as increased body mass index and abnormal menstrual cycles. Inositol was, effective as, met, was as effective as metformin, a medicine that is commonly used to treat type 2 diabetes, at increasing insulin sensitivity in women with PCOS. About half of the women showed a decrease in BMI, or uh, uh, biomass index, body mass index, and their menstrual cycles returned to normal. Lower blood sugar levels. A type of inositol, D-chiroinositol, combined with folic acid, also increased insulin sensitivity in people with type 1 diabetes. People treated with inositol and folic acid had lower average blood sugar levels, known as HbA1c, than the people in the control group. Decreased panic attacks. People with panic disorder reported fewer panic, panic attacks while taking inositol than they did with fluvoxamine and anti, uh, an antidepressant that is often used to treat anxiety disorders. Negative side effects such as nausea and tiredness occurred less often with inositol than with fluvoxamine. Because it's a natural supplement, people who are hesitant to take psychiatric drugs like antidepressants may be more willing to take inositol. And this was something I think that was in one of the videos yesterday. Improved psoriasis in people, in people taking lithium. Lithium carbonate is widely prescribed for people with bipolar affective disorders. Unfortunately, one of the side effects of lithium can be psoriasis, a skin condition. People with psoriasis who were taking lithium showed an improvement in their psoriasis after using inositol supplements. People with psoriasis who were not taking lithium did not show an improvement with inositol supplementation. Yeah, probably not, because with them, it's a um, essential fatty acid uh, problem, usually brought on by a gluten intolerance. Anyway, health risks. People, uh, because inositol is water-based, it does not have a high risk of overdose, even at high doses. Side effects are mainly limited to nausea, gas, and diarrhea. Amounts and dosages. There is no recommended daily allowance or RDA for inositol. Two different formulas are used in supplements, myo-inositol and d inositol Most studies administer between 18 or 10 and 18 grams per day of inositol to achieve uh, desired results with minimal to no side effects. Inositol can also be found in foods such as fruits, beans, grains, nuts. And that's basically the end of the article. Quite abrupt, but... Um, Coming from WebMD, it's rather interesting. They've, it's not a bad uh, review, actually. Um, and also, if you're considering getting it, the IP6 Gold 
Uh, I just ordered a um, a 240-count bottle of IP6 Gold on their website. They list it $51.95, and believe it or not, I found it on Amazon for $38.96. So you can find better pricing. Um, Same product. It's made by the same company, the whole shooting match. Um, And I figured I'd grab myself a 240-count bottle and give it a try and see what we get. All righty then. Um, trying to see if there's anything else we wanted to cover on that. But um, as far as I can see, that probably should do it. Uh, interesting product. And the best part is, A, it's not a drug. <laughs> B, it's totally natural. Has virtually no negative side effects. You can take extremely large doses without any worry of overdose or negative side effects, anything like that. And uh, the best part is, you you know, people have had great results getting rid of cancer. You know, that's pretty good. Looking at a PubMed article here, uh, inositol hexaphosphate plus inositol induced complete remission in stage 4 melanoma, a case report. Inositol hexaphosphate, IP6, also called phytic acid, is a polyphosphorylated carbohydrate naturally found in cereals, nuts, grains, and high-fiber-containing foods. It has been shown to inhibit the growth of many different tumor cells, both in vitro and in vivo, like colon, pancreas, liver, prostate, and even melanoma. Vitamin B inositol has a precursor of IP6 and another naturally occurring compound with anti-cancer properties. We present a case report of a patient with metastatic melanoma who declined traditional therapy and opted to try the -the over-the-counter supplement uh, IP6 plus inositol instead. To our surprise, the patient achieved a complete remission and remains in remission three years later. On the basis of this case and previous preclinical studies, we believe further research is indicated in exploring anti-proliferative and potential immune-stimulating effects of IP6 plus inositol in patients with metastatic melanoma. Boy, that's... Uh, they refused all natural, the witch doctor treatments, did just this, and got rid of it and have been in a remission for three years. Not too shabby. OBKB. Um, and let's see here. Oh, yes, that's what I was thinking of. Um, I forget who it was. I think it was Dave that mentioned yesterday. Um, where did it go? I had this uh, page set up. He was talking about one of the guys, um, on guns and gadgets. Um, and a uh, video that he was talking about. There's a couple of them in here. I just saw another article dealing with it, too. Um, But I'm trying to find the one he was talking about. Um, (laughs) Salt weapons ban cases. United States pauses exports. uh, Tennessee special session on gun control. Hmm. Well, I can't remember what it was. Ooh. The Nashville Manifesto leaked. Um, I think this one might be it, short and sweet. Uh, wait a minute. 
Makes any refutes claim. Um, this is one that I I saw on another feed this morning. It was uh, can't remember where it was, but uh, they're talking about a federal appeals court. I think it was the Seventh Circuit that said AR-15s are not covered by the Second Amendment. Uh, let's go ahead and check. Have this you heard out. about the Government Control Act of 2023? My name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer. You might recognize me from Shark Tank or Fox News. Back in civilization with internet, let's get into this. So a federal appeals court said on Friday that the AR-15 platform, AR-15s, in their words, assault weapons, which is not even a real thing, but they said that they're not covered by the Second Amendment. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. Guys and gals, this is Guns and Gadgets, the premier source for Second Amendment news. If you're into the Second Amendment, you want to stay up to date on the fight against the gun controlling lobby, the uh, American Communist Party, then subscribe to this channel down below. I also want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's video, and that's CMMG. Guys and gals, I just got back from a trip to Thunder Ranch, and I ran my CMMG Banshee, and it ran phenomenally. It was a great tool to bring to a great training school. Uh, if you have the chance to go to Thunder Ranch, please do. Heidi and Clint are amazing. Thank you to both of you, and they're now family. I love them. Uh, also, at CMMG, you can use code GNG10 to save big on your purchases, and if you happen to have a tool that you put in your cart and use that code with, you'll also get one of these. This is a CMMG mystery box. We'll open that on another video here. Uh, but uh, CMMG, thank you so much for being a sponsor. Guys and gals, GNG10 saves you really big. Get one of these too. All right, let's get down into the, uh, the nitty gritty here. On Friday, the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals overturned an injunction against the enforcement of Illinois' assault weapon ban, which also has a large capacity magazine ban. Their magazine ban was now, uh, now it's regulated 15 rounds to handgun, 10 rounds to long guns, and of course, assault weapons, which is a made-up term. Uh, the three-judge panel made a decision, it was two to one, uh, that uh, still could be appealed to the Supreme Court on an emergency basis. Don't know if they'll take that up, because uh, this is directly against what's going on in other parts of the country, specifically the Ninth Circuit where Judge Roger T. Benitez said that uh, California's assault weapon ban violates the Second Amendment, violates the Constitution. It also is not consistent with the text, history, and tradition of firearm regulation around the 1791 area when they adopted the Second Amendment. So neither is Illinois. So we have conflict in the circuits. Now, we all know that this violates the Constitution, but listen, listen to what these judges say because it is very apparent to me, and I want to hear from you, but it's apparent to me that they are anti-gun activists wearing robes. Now, the judges, the, the three-judge panel consisted of Judge Diana Woods, who's a Clinton appointee, uh, Judge Frank Easterbrook, who's a Ronald Reagan appointee, and Judge Michael Brennan, who is a Trump appoint appointee. Now, I know some people are like, oh, yeah, it must be uh, the Trump judge. Hold on, because they all said some bad stuff. Woods and Easterbrook said, and I'm going to throw some quotes in here. Even the most important personal freedoms have their limits. Really. They also said that everyone can agree that personal handguns used for self-defense 
uh, is one of those arms that law-abiding citizens must be free to keep and bear. Everyone can agree, they said. Everyone can agree. We hope that a nuclear weapon such as the now-retired M388 Davy Crockett system with its 51-pound W-54 warhead can be reserved for the military even though it is light enough for one person to carry. So they're comparing ARs to nuclear weapons. That should be all one needs to hear. However, there's more from these judges. Now, Woods and Easterbrook ultimately decided that assault weapons and high-capacity magazines regulated under the Protecting Illinois Communities Act lie on the military side of that line and thus are not within the class of arms protected by the Second Amendment. This $36 gadget cleans any bathroom in five minutes. It's a new handheld scrubber that's already being called the apple of cleaning. Yeah, yeah. They also said, we are not here today to rule definitively on the constitutionality of the act or any of the municipal ordinances like Chicago's. And they also said the only issue before us concerns preliminary injunctive relief. Then why would they say ARs are not uh, covered by the Second Amendment so that it could be cited in other cases? Now, Woods said distinguishing between the two categories between weapons and accessories designed for military or law enforcement use, which the Second Amendment is none of that in the Second Amendment, and weapons designed for personal use has been a legal tradition since the Second Amendment was added to the U.S. Constitution. Uh, Judge Woods is on something and probably needs a urine test. Now, the one judge, like I said, that dissented was a Trump appointee, Judge Brennan, but he done messed up big too. Judge Brennan said, quote, the Second Amendment right of the people to keep and bear arms is not a second-class right. Yet the state of Illinois and several Illinois municipalities have categorically banned law-abiding citizens from keeping and bearing a sweeping range of firearms and magazines. Okay, so far so good. But, Brennan said he agreed with his colleagues that there's nothing unconstitutional about the state of Illinois' requirement that anyone who owned these now illegal guns before the law was enacted, ex post facto, must now register them if they want to keep them. Yes, the Trump appointed judge is in favor of a gun registry. Now, the registration for the guns opened in October and gun owners must register covered firearms by the year's end. This is uh, Governor Pritzker's assault weapon ban that he put in immediately after being reelected, rushed it through, got it passed, and it's being challenged, which is why we're here. So the assault weapon ban is ripe for Supreme Court intervention. We have several circuits in disagreement and at odds, and here we have the seventh saying the Second Amendment it doesn't cover ARs, and then you have the Ninth uh, Circuit, and Judge Benitez, which is the one that's on everybody's mind, says uh, to that. Now this is a hot topic, one that's the core of gun control and the gun control lobby. And it's going to go down in a burning pile of poo. But we need to stay in the know with what's going on. We have to voice our opposition. How do I do that, Jared? What should I do? You need to understand that your legislators need to hear from you. Whether or not they are anti-gun or not, I don't care. Call your legislators and get on their lists about who supports what and who doesn't. You know what else is funny? Speaking of legislators, the same people who say that you can't have an assault weapon, you can't have an AR-15, 
you are not cool enough to have an AK-47. They're the same people sending billions of dollars overseas with these same guns to Ukraine and Israel to give to their civilians. What do you think about that? Let me know down below. Thanks to CMMG. Thank you to Heidi and Clint Smith over at Thunder Ranch. I cannot wait to go back. Guys and gals, have a phenomenal, phenomenal day. Tell your loved ones you love them, and I will see you on the next one. Be safe, stay vigilant, and carry a gun to keep you, your friends, your family, your community safe. That's what it's for, and we're not giving it up. Take care. Okay. Interesting stuff. ARs are not firearms. Arms protected by the Second Amendment. What a bunch of garbage. But, again, all federal laws, including stupid Supreme Court decisions that violate um, God's law, are null and void. I don't care what nine clowns and black gowns have to say or their little minions in the uh, circuits i have the god-given right to keep and bear arms and no man anywhere can take that away period enough said OBKB. let's um see if we can't find uh, let's see where we go Anybody have a comment on any of that? Jump in. Feel free. If not, let me get back to my regular news feed. There was uh, something else I wanted to cover in here, if I can find it. <laughs> That's always the big problem. <laughs> Finding what I was, I looked at it earlier, had it all queued up, and then lost it. Um, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it looks like it happened again. Good grief. Oh, well. Nuts. <laughs> uh, I hate when that happens. Come on. Maybe. Ah, there it is. Poll. One in four Americans, shifting gears here, one in four Americans show some or know someone who died from the COVID jab. I know several people uh, who I'm suspecting died from the covid jab and because uh, i all i know they all took the jab and of course nobody ever says we don't have a um, autopsy most of the time they just you know they're old enough to have natural causes or this or that but you know when they were doing just fine and then all of a sudden they just keel over dead to me that's what we call a sudden adult death syndrome and here, a woman closes her eyes after receiving a COVID-19 injection at Sydney Road Family Medical Practice in Balgola in Sydney, Australia, on January 10th, 2022. Yeah. A new poll found that about a quarter of Americans believe someone they knew died from the COVID-19 jabs, while another recent survey found that a growing number of Americans are increasingly wary of the shots. 
you think? <laughs> In a poll from Rasmussen Reports, it found that about uh, about a quarter of Americans, or 24%, believe someone they know died from COVID-19 jabs side effects, said the pollster on November 2nd. About 69% said they do not know anyone who died from the vaccine. Wait a minute. About 69% said they do not know anyone who died from the vaccine. Hmm. Okay. About half of Americans, or 47%, said they know someone who died from the COVID-19 virus. Not really. (laughs) Again, most of these people are confusing the virus with the treatment protocol. They allegedly came down with what we lovingly referred to as COVID-19. They end up in the hospital. They're given, given remdesivir, which shuts their kidneys down. They're put on a ventilator, which is barbarous, and they die from the treatment, not from the, if they, if they had COVID, you know, supposedly, and were given the proper treatment, they would have survived. But because they were given the kill treatment that made lots of money for the hospitals, they died. Anyway, 47% they said they know someone who died allegedly from COVID virus, but probably the treatment, while 49% said they don't know anyone who died from the illness, according to Rasmussen. It added that among those who say someone they know died from the COVID-19 virus, 41% also say they know someone who died from the side effects of the COVID-19 vaccine. By contrast, among those who say they don't know uh, anyone who died from the virus, only 9% said they know someone who died from the COVID jabs, Um, according to Rasmussen. The pollster noted there were no differences in politics in the questions. Some 25% of Republican voters said they know someone who died from alleged vaccine side effects, while 24% of Democrats and unaffiliated voters said the same. Government employees who were polled were more than twice as likely as private sector workers to tell the pollster that they know someone who personally died from the side effects. That's interesting. About 42% said that uh, if there was a significant class action lawsuit against pharmaceutical firms for side effects related to vaccines, they would likely join the suit, according to the poll which noted that 24% said it would be very likely they would join. 47% of respondents said they would not join the lawsuit, and 11% said they aren't sure. Increasingly wary. The survey carried out by the Annenberg Public Policy Center with the University of Pennsylvania polled 1,500 American adults between October 5th and October 12th It found that about 63% of Americans think that getting the COVID vaccine is safer than getting the virus itself. So it shows that there's a lot of stupid people in this country. A virus, alleged virus, with a 99.7% survival rate (laughs) is more dangerous than COVID vaccines that have killed over 20 million people worldwide so far. I don't think so. A drop of 12 percentage points from April 2021 when 75% held that viewpoint. It also found that Americans who view the shot as unsafe increased from 18% in August 2022 to 24% during last month's poll. Boy, I'll tell you what. Max Planck was right. Science advances one funeral at a time. (laughs) 
The number of Americans who correlate vaccines to autism has gone up from 10% in April 2021 to 16% during the October 2023 poll. So only 6% in two years, two and a half years, according to the Annenberg Public Policy Center. Notably, more Americans believe that the vaccine for measles, mumps, and rubella is linked to autism. Well, they've got something right. 9% of respondents in June 2021 believe that statement, but 12% now say that statement is true, the poll found. Slowly increasing. At the same time, the number of Americans who back using ivermectin, a drug that was often demonized by media outlets and even some federal health officials to treat COVID-19, has risen from 10% in September 2021 to 26% last month. Almost three times increase. That's good. Pollsters found. The Public Policy Center claimed that the rise in Americans' wariness of COVID-19 vaccines and other shots is due to an increasing belief in health misinformation. (laughs) Yeah, put out by the government and Big Karma and the American Murder Association. Although federal agencies like the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or the COVID death cult have also been accused of spreading misinformation, too. Courts have also ruled that the CDC, the White House, and multiple other federal agencies cannot communicate with social media companies regarding posts relating to COVID-19 or vaccines, although the Supreme Court recently paused those lower court orders. Kathleen Hall Jameson, director of the Annenberg Public Policy Center, said in the poll news release that growing numbers now distrust public health or health protecting life saving vaccines. Well, first off, that's a misnomer. <laughs> Why don't you just take out the health protecting life saving crap and just put in bioweapons? You know, growing numbers now distrust vaccines as they should. Because there's no such thing as health-protecting, life-saving, safe and effective vaccines, period. No such thing. Never was, never will be. Although her group did not appear to try to address why Americans increasingly distrustful (laughs) of the shots. Hmm. And here's a little thing by Roman Roman Belmakov on these uh, vaccine moves by the CDC. Over the weekend, we had the world premiere of an awesome documentary called No Farmers, No Food, in which we exposed how Agenda 21, which trickles down from the UN, manifests itself as concrete policies across the whole world, handcuffing farmers, forcing them out of business, while at the same time propping up a new industry of edible insects. We spent quite literally a whole year traveling the whole world to make this particular film, and I'm super glad to report to you that the film was very well received. We got about a minute-long standing ovation with many of the farmers and ranchers in attendance saying that they're going to bring the film back to their local communities in order to help it spread far and wide. And so if you'd like to check the film out for yourself, the link to it will be right there at the very, very, very top of the description box below. I hope you watch it, and I also hope that you share it with anyone in your life who you think really needs to know about what's happening behind the scenes in this world. Again, that link will be right there at the top of the description box below. Now... Jumping into today's main topic, for some odd reason, the CDC is just refusing to release the most recent updated data on the number of post-vaccination heart inflammation cases. You see, even though it was treated as essentially a conspiracy theory at first, it's already been a known fact for quite a while now that the COVID vaccines can cause heart inflammation in the form of either myocarditis or pericarditis. 
Now, generally, you can find the most updated number of heart inflammation cases over in the VARA system. And in case you haven't heard of it before, the VARA system is a database that's jointly run by the FDA and the CDC, and it tracks the number of adverse reactions to the vaccines, not just the COVID vaccine, but to all vaccines. And although technically anyone can submit the reports into the VARA system, if you dig through the research, you find that most of the reports are entered by healthcare providers. Usually it's a nurse or a doctor whose patient experiences some type of adverse reaction after getting a shot. And there are also safeguards in place such that if people submit fake information into the VARA system, they can face actual criminal prosecution. Now that's all to say that the VARA system, while not being 100% perfect, is relatively reliable. And typically, when the CDC would have a meeting with their vaccine advisors regarding whether or not to release an updated version of the vaccine and to recommend it to Americans, they would present the numbers found in the VARA system to their advisors so that they can make an educated decision. The CDC would typically show the number of myocarditis cases that were found in the VARA system when meeting with their vaccine advisory panel. However, something interesting happened in their most recent meeting, which took place on September the 12th, about two weeks ago. The CDC, in that meeting, made no mention of the VARA's data. You heard that right. Two weeks ago, CDC officials met with the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, which is essentially the advisory panel on vaccines. In fact, according to the CDC website, here is how they describe the advisory committee. Quote, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices includes 15 voting members responsible for making vaccine recommendations. And the purpose of this meeting between the Advisory Committee and the CDC was to help these advisors in considering which groups of people here in America should be recommended to get the latest formulation of the COVID vaccine, the one that was recently approved. And so basically, the CDC was here in this meeting in order to give the advisors the latest data that was available, as well as to answer any of their possible questions before the advisors turn around and give their recommendations in terms of who should be getting the shot or not. But as I mentioned earlier, during the CDC's presentation, well, they changed it up a little bit from their previous presentations. What happened was that Dr. Nicola Klein, who was presenting on behalf of the CDC, she was showing the advisors data, not from the VAERS system, but rather, she was showing them the data from the Vaccine Safety Data Link System, which is a totally separate monitoring system, which covers a much smaller population than VAERS does. Furthermore, the data that she presented was relatively old. Quote, Dr. Klein said that just two cases of myocarditis after bivalent vaccination were detected in the Vaccine Safety Data Link through March 11th. The cases didn't trigger a safety signal among adults. Now, it is a little odd that they only chose to show data going up until March 11th, but setting that aside, the CDC presentation showed that there were just two cases of myocarditis following a bivalent vaccination. That's again, according to the Vaccine Safety Data Link system. However, if you were to look into the actual VAR system, which just for your reference, anyone in America can do, it's a searchable database that's available to the public. And if you search it for the number of heart inflammation cases following a bivalent vaccine, you get 98. 98 cases of myocarditis, pericarditis or myopericarditis. 98 cases in the VAR system, rather than the two cases that the CDC reported finding in the data link system. Now again, it's worth mentioning that since technically anyone can post in the VAR system, those are not 98 confirmed cases. They're 98 reported cases. However, up until September, the CDC would report that number to the advisory committee, except this time they decided to not do that for some reason. It's not exactly clear why the CDC chose to go this route. And so we hear at the Epic Times, we reached out to the CDC in order to get the data, but they sent back to us something you could say was a bit surprising. A CDC spokesperson, they emailed us back saying that if we're interested in the data, we can check out this study right here. 
This is the study that they sent to us. You can see it up on screen for yourself, which is cool, except for the fact that the study that they sent to us only covers the data from August 31st up until October 23rd of last year, of 2022. That study, it only covered about a month and a half worth of data, and it's literally a year old. Now, just for your reference, that particular study, it was looking at the effects following vaccination with the updated bivalent formulation. That formulation, it began to be used widely in September, and the study runs until October 23rd, meaning it's about a month and a half following the use of the bivalent booster. And in the study, the study that the CDC sent to us, they identified nine reports of either myocarditis or pericarditis following vaccination with one of these bivalent vaccines. And out of those nine reports, seven were verified by medical review. And this is exactly where things stop adding up. Because think about it. In the presentation just earlier this month, the CDC spokesperson told the advisory body that according to the safety data link system, there were, quote, two cases of myocarditis after bivalent vaccination through March 11th. Two cases according to the data link system. However, when we asked the CDC for confirmation, they sent us a study showing that just in the month of September, and essentially half of October, there were nine cases of myocarditis, with seven of them being verified by medical review. That data came from the VAERS system. And so it makes you wonder, why would they present the number as being just two as of March 11th, when according to their own study, by October 23rd of last year, the number was already at least seven? And you would imagine that the number didn't remain just seven from October all the way up to March. And so we here at the Epoch Times, we asked the CDC spokesman to send us more recent data to which he interestingly responded by acknowledging that the CDC does have the data, but they're just not making it public yet, writing this in an email, quote, when appropriate, the updated safety data will be published. However, the story gets a lot deeper, which we'll get into right after I introduce the sponsor of today's episode by showing you this little piece of money. Or rather, I should say that this is fake money being printed into oblivion by those geniuses over in Washington, D.C. And so before they completely obliterate your life savings, what I recommend you do is to convert that fake money into real money, which is physical gold and silver. And the best company to use is the sponsor of today's episode, American Hartford Gold who also happens to be my own personal gold and silver bullion dealer. They have thousands of other five-star ratings across the country. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They ship quickly, directly to your doorstep. Their product listings are awesome. They're stacked with great options of gold and silver bullion and coins, and they have amazing customer service. When you pick up the phone and call them, you feel good knowing you support a company that supports the truth getting out into the wider American audience. And so calling them up is a no-brainer. But best of all, if you tell them that Roman sent you, they will throw in up to $5,000 worth of free silver with your first purchase. It's 866-242-2352, or you can simply text the word Roman, R-O-M-A-N, Roman, to 65532. Of course, all their details will be down in the description box below. And now let's head on back to the studio. Thank you very much for that. Regardless, that's what happened. According to the CDC's own analysis of the VAERS data, there were a minimum of seven medically verified cases as of October 23rd of last year. However, what they chose to present to the advisory body is just two cases in a separate database that was significantly smaller. Regardless, circling back to that CDC meeting, besides Dr. Klein, there was another CDC official, Dr. Megan Wallace, who said the following, quote, there are limited data to inform the myocarditis risk following an updated mRNA dose. Now, notably, she did not mention the cases reported to VAERS, but she still did make the point that the benefits of the vaccines outweigh any potential risks. And frankly, that seemed to be enough because the vaccine advisory panel, they went ahead and they recommended the updated formulation of the COVID vaccine to virtually all Americans. And that decision of theirs was nearly unanimous with Dr. Oliver Brooks, who is a member of the vaccine advisory panel, saying this after the presentation that was given by the CDC, quote, 
we feel good about the fact that in the bivalent, we saw no signal for myocarditis. On the flip side, however, you had... I gotta say, that guy looks like Groucho Mars. <laughs> anyway, on with it. ...lone member of the advisory panel who voted against the recommendation. This was Dr. Pablo Sanchez, and citing the risk of myocarditis, he said the following, quote, I think we really need to level with our patients and say what is known and unknown rather than make a complete recommendation, especially for some groups that are limited data. Regardless of his dissenting opinion, though, the advisory panel voted 13 to 1 in favor of recommending the updated formulation to almost everyone six months and older. In fact, according to the recommendation, quote, people who have not received a COVID-19 vaccine in the past two months should receive one of the new shots. And so there you have it. And I should mention, this is in no way medical advice, and I'm in no way advocating for or against any possible medical intervention. I'm only reporting on the facts surrounding the meeting between the CDC and the vaccine advisory panel, which took place two weeks ago on September the 12th, and regarding the information that was and was not presented during that meeting. If you'd like to go into the CDC's presentation or the study that they emailed us, I'll throw all those links down into the description box below this video, which I should mention is that same little description box right beside those like and subscribe buttons, both of which I hope you take a moment to smash so that this content and this video can be shared out to ever more people via the YouTube algorithm. And then lastly, as I mentioned at the very top of the episode as well, after a full year of quite literally traveling the world and also the U.S., we finally released our awesome documentary, No Farmers, No Food, Will You Eat the Bugs? Here's a trailer. Food prices are skyrocketing around the world. And if you listen to world leaders, they'll tell you it's due to climate change. Climate change is the biggest threat for the human beings. And their solution might surprise you. There are 1,900 edible insect species on the planet. The European Commission has officially declared mealworms to be food. Yes, this is food to a food. The people in charge have determined that by switching our diet to crickets, ants, and mealworms, we'll be able to stop temperatures from rising, lower the price of food, and possibly to even save the planet. It's never about innovation. It's always about getting rid of farmers. Agenda 21 was meant to be the agenda for the 21st century. Some of the goals sound nice, ending hunger. Who could possibly be against ending hunger? It requires total power from the state. I think it's a scam. A lot of this came about in the early 70s, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, which were good things, but it's been abused from what the original intent is. No, maybe no, not there's this not one. a farm anymore. No, there's also not a farm anymore. So all these people shut down because of the government policies? Yeah. I'm the sixth generation of farmer. Yeah, I'm the fourth generation. How many years have they owned this plot of land? 40 years. I think we're the last generation. They're shutting down the small and middle-sized family-run farms. We either own property or we are property. I don't think we can trust the government anymore because they want the land. And our founding fathers understood that the land would be distributed among the people so they could always control their government. Right now, things have uh, tripled as far as cost. I think you're gonna see across the board higher food prices. Has anybody been held accountable for screwing up? No. As every communist tyrant of the last hundred years has understood, if you control the food, you control the people. Everything is falling apart. There's a shortage of food. We're heading for a world food crisis, as we hear all the time. Do you see any hope for the situation? Yeah, we have to continue fighting for it. No farmers, no food. They will know it.
If you'd like to check out that phenomenal documentary in its glorious entirety, well, the link will be right there at the top of the description box below. I hope you click on it, I hope you check it out, and then after you watch it, I hope you love it, you share it with everyone in your life so that more people can know what's happening behind the scenes of this world. Again, that link is right there at the top of the description box below. I hope you check it out. And then until next time, I'm your host, Roman from the Epic Times. Stay informed. Most importantly, stay free. Okay. Um, I've got to find that picture again here. Uh, where is that? Oh, there we go. Here. Okay. Now, let's see here. Just a second. Select items to share. Um, where is that thing? There we go. Hmm. Why is it not sharing? Let's try this again. Okay, we got that and this. There we go. I don't know about you, but I think that guy looks a lot like... Uh, where'd it go? <laughs> Groucho Marx on the right and the other dude on the left. <laughs> anyway. I think Groucho's better looking... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving right along. After the FDA and CDC both essentially signed off on the latest booster shots made by Moderna, Pfizer, and Novavax in September, recent data has signaled the uptake appears to be relatively slow. In other words, people are not getting them. There's some intelligence out there. About 15 million people in the U.S., including children and adults eligible to get the jabs, have received the latest shot as of October 27th, figures from the Department of Health and Human Services show. That amounts to more than 4.5% of the American population. You know, when, they're when they're shooting for 100%, I think they got a ways to go. And as of October 27th, more than 15 million Americans have received the updated COVID-19 jab and over 19 million vaccines have shipped to pharmacies and other locations with 91% of Americans 12 years and older living within five miles of a vaccination site, an HHS spokesman said in a statement. By October 26th of last year, approximately 23 million people had received the initial updated booster shot, according to CDC data. The, tw fall tw or the 2022 fall vaccination campaign started around 10 days earlier than the 2023 season. In all, about 56.5 million people, or 17% of the U.S. population, got last year's boosters. Eesh. And I think I just sort of ended right there. Oh, well. But still, the numbers are dropping. People are not uh, buying it anymore, thank goodness. There will always be some out there silly enough to roll up their sleeves every time a new one comes out. But uh, thank goodness most people are not that dumb. Whew, man. All righty then. Let's see what else is going on. 
As U.S. helps Israel ethnically cleanse the Holy Land, Biden is deploying heavy machinery to U.S. southern border to lift razor wire, allowing more illegals to flood into America. Yeah, every time the folks in Texas put up razor wire or something, the uh, Biden abomination comes down there and finds a way to get rid of it. They are not going to be stopped. Uh, absolutely disgusting. Banks, big banks laying off tens of thousands of workers, including over 220,000 employees in the U.S. alone. Ouch. And people don't think that there's a financial problem coming. 911 call reveals women severely injured by notorious Ohio late-term abortion facility. Okay. A new 911 audio recording obtained by the nonprofit Cincinnati Right to Life revealed that a woman was recently injured at a surgical facility that gained notoriety over the years as a site of several abortion injuries. During a 911 call on October 25th, a woman who identified herself only as Selena called emergency services and said that there was a 33-year-old woman who needed to be transported to a hospital. She said very little information had very little information to share with the dispatcher except describing the woman as conscious, breathing, and bleeding from her cervix following a complicated procedure. Selena confirmed to the 911 dispatcher that the woman's location with the emergency was 1401 East Stroop Road in Dayton, Ohio, the address of the Women's Medical Center of Dayton, or the WMD. <laughs> Sounds like a weapon of mass disruption, disruption to me. <laughs> WMD is owned by Dr. William Martin Haskell, an American abortion physician in Ohio associated with an abortion procedure known as known clinically as intact dilation and extraction and popularly by the term partial birth abortion partial birth abortion is defined by federal law as a procedure in which the person performing the abortion deliberately and intentionally delivers a living fetus vaginally while the entire baby's head or any part of the baby's trunk is outside the body of the mother after which the baby is then killed. Haskell's WMD has been known to perform abortions even if the chance of the baby living outside the uterus is great. Operation Rescue, one of the most outspoken pro-life groups in the United States, reported that WMD has a habit of calling serious conditions such as hemorrhages and other potentially life-threatening injuries that happen as non-emergent or non-emergency, we have been conducting botched. We have been documenting botched abortions at this notorious facility for years, along with its unscrupulous tactics to remain in business. Said Operation Rescue President Troy Newman. The habit of downplaying complications women's women experience intensifies intensifies the seriousness of their emergencies. Women's Medical Center owned owner donated heavily to protect right to abortion in Ohio. In a Washington Examiner report, Haskell donated $100,000 in March to Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights PAC, one of three major groups pushing Issue 1, a constitutional amendment that would end any statewide restrictions on abortion in Ohio. 
And it's my understanding that amendment did pass yesterday. With the approval of Issue 1, a late-term abortionist like Haskell and the physicians under his employ have been given free reign by Ohio voters to perform abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy and eliminate all common-sense health and safety protections for women. Project Women Ohio Press uh, Secretary Amy Notos, or not Natos, uh, noted that Haskell donated $100,000 to the campaign supporting Ohio Issue 1 because he routinely knows it is an investment in his late-term abortion practice, which Haskell mentioned that the routine that he routinely performs in pregnancy terminations at 20 to 24 weeks when the unborn are already considered pre-viable or nearly the limit, nearing the limit of viability. As of press time, over 95% of votes in, over 56% of the voters in Ohio have approved Issue 1, making the right to an abortion protected by the state constitution. But even with the referendum's approval, the state legislature could still try to pass a law banning abortion after the point when the fetus can survive outside the uterus or between 20 to 24 weeks unless the patient's treating physician deems it necessary to perform abortion to protect the life and or health of the mother. Yick. Watch the following video about 911 call heavy bleeding. All right, well, I'm not sure how much is to be seen, but let's see here. Kettering 911, what's the address of the emergency? 1401 East Stroop Road. Is there an apartment letter or number? Uh, no. And what's the problem? Um, I ha- I'm in need of an urgent but non-emergent transport of a patient to the hospital for heavy bleeding after a pregnancy termination. Okay, but she is conscious and breathing? Yes. Okay, and how old is she? Uh, she is 25. You body chance know about any COVID symptoms? Uh, no COVID symptoms. And what's a uh, callback telephone number for you? Um, it's 937-293-3917. Sorry, I had to think. That's okay. And you said she is a um, 25-year-old female? Yes, 25-year-old female. All right, I got crews en route for you. If anything changes before she, uh, they get there, just call me right back on 911. Okay, and my, um, ed, our, ed, um, I'm sorry, our physician has admitting privileges in Miami Valley Hospital. He's requesting. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, that sucks. What more can you say? Pro-LGBT Virginia House of Delegates candidate endorsed by Democrats has demonic ties. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Biden administration removes four African nations from AGOA trade program for refusing to embrace leftist values like transgenderism. One thing about the Africans, they don't get into that junk. If you ever watched the uh, the video, um, What is a Woman? 
can't remember the guy's name that did it, but uh, he ended up going to the African nations, was talking to some of the tribal leaders there about, you know, the kind of stuff, you know, people identifying men, identifying as women and vice versa. And they're like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> I guess it's just a U.S. thing or a Western thing. Oh, man. They got some sense down there at least. Israel killed dozens of civilians in twin Gaza strikes, which the U.N. labeled a war crime. Good for them. Sensor track database records over 6,000 cases of big tech censorship. <laughs> Bet there's a lot more than that. Just on my Facebook post. <laughs> Electric vehicles on the verge of becoming uninsurable due to high cost of battery repairs. Imagine that. The truth is starting to come out on these things. Okay. Got me curious. Electric vehicles in the UK are on the verge of becoming uninsurable because of the high cost of asso associated with fixing their batteries. Jonathan Hewitt, CEO of the, of the motor insurer-funded automotive research firm Thatcham Research, issued this warning. According to him, the lack of insight and understanding about the cost of repairing damaged EV batteries leads to increased insurance premiums. In some cases, it has even led insurance providers to refuse whole vehicle coverage for electric vehicles. While EV owners are burdened with insurance costs with some quotes exceeding £100 per week or $122.90 per week, and reports of premiums doubling or even tripling compared to 2022, insurance providers like John Lewis Financial Services and Aviva have already stopped offering car insurance to EVs. Aviva temporarily withdrew insurance products for the Tesla Model Y earlier this year before reinstating them, probably from uh, political pressure, while JLFS stopped entirely after its underwriter, Covia, assess the risks and costs. A report by the Association of British Insurers appealed to, to, to back up Hewitt's warning, or excuse me, appeared to back up Hewitt's warning. Its report said the cost of EV battery repairs increased by 33% in the first quarter of 2023 compared to the same period in 2022. This increase contributed to record high annual premiums. Moreover, the average insurance cost for EVs surged by 72% in September of 2022. This far outpaced the 29% increase for gasoline and diesel vehicles. Yeah, 72% compared to 29. <laughs> Another reason not to buy them things. Government guidelines calling for EVs with damaged batteries to be quarantined at least 50 feet apart in repair yards to mitigate the risk of battery-related explosions also contribute to this risk. Based on estimates by Thatcham Research, insurers need to invest an additional 900 million pounds or $1.1 billion per year in quarantine facilities by 2035. These changes could add 20 pounds or $24.60 per year to all car insurance premiums. Why all? Why should we have to pay for that stuff? <laughs> Socialist pukes. UK is a shortage of skilled EV technicians. Meanwhile, top mechanic and vlogger Scotty Kilmer disclosed that the UK is a shortage of skilled EV technicians. He predicted that the country could face a shortage of around 2,500 EV technicians by the end of the decade, potentially leaving electric car owners without access to necessary repairs. 
Kilmer pointed out in a video on his YouTube channel that EV technicians are at risk when they repair electric cars. To make things worse, their compensation does not equate with the danger they face. One thing about electric cars, of course, is they are high voltage. They could be 400, 600, 800 volts. They could kill you. Technicians don't usually get paid that well, he remarked. Why would you want to risk your life, at least when you're working on a gasoline or diesel car? The electric power is, is so low, mainly 12 volts, sometimes 24. It's not going to kill you, but these other ones can. Kilmer noted that the dangers, of EV, EV, the dangers EV technicians face are supported by many incidents of EV batteries catching fire in the years since their release. In 2022, the London Fire Brigade identified e-bikes and scooters powered with lithium-ion batteries as the fastest-growing fire risk in the city, responding to 87 e-bike and 29 e-scooter fires. Imagine what happens when one of them things catches fire and you're sitting on it. <laughs> you don't have a whole lot of protection there. These incidents uh, usually happen during the thermal under runaway phase when the battery overheats, when usually, uh, which usually ends up in, a, uh, in flash fires, explosions, and flaming jets that last for up to 49 minutes. Wow. Um, goodness gracious. I got to make a note here real quick. If I can get this thing to work, my fingers to work. Good grief. Nothing's working. Okay. Man. Um, let's see here. Where? Oh, there we go. Uh, the challenge is that we have no way of understanding whether the battery has been compromised or damaged in any way, said Hewitt. The threat of thermal runaway means that a catastrophic fire can take place if the cells of the battery have been damaged in a collision. Youch. And uh, here's a video recording shows a fire. I think we've seen this before, but I might...
whoa. That bus must have been sitting there totally unoccupied. I mean, not even a driver in there. I didn't see anybody bailing out, but man, imagine what that could have been like if it had been a bus full of people. Because it's on top, you may not notice a whole lot until it's ready to break down into the passenger compartment. Freaky. Boy, that makes me want to go out and buy an electric car, doesn't it? <laughs> Ooh, man. World's second human recipient of genetically altered pig heart dies after showing signs of organ rejection. Hmm. Why are online banking services suddenly being disrupted on a massive scale all over the United States? Don't know. Not good. Globalist weaponized food and emergency supply to pave the way for global Holmador. Agriculture in Western nations, such as the United States, Canada, Australia, and Europe, is being destroyed by globalist ideologies. You think? Even the wars in the Middle East and Ukraine can be realized to target food and emergency supplies to bring about mass starvation in line with their genocide and depopulation missions. Holmador means death by hunger as was intentionally inflicted on Ukrainian uh, peasants during 1932 and 33, killing at least 5 million people. Professor Andrea Graziozzi of the University of Naples said that it was the first genocide that was methodically planned out and perpetrated by depriving the very people who were producers of food of their nourishment for survival. I don't know. I think the, uh, the one in Ireland was before that and that was planned it was run by the british military but uh uh daryl is the guy that dw is one to talk to about that he really knows about the uh, situation in israel in ireland and it was a holmador also but anyway um technocracy news wrote that during this time the majority of rural ukrainians who were independent small-scale or subsistence farmers resisted collectivization they were forced to surrender their land livestock and farming tools and work on government collective farms or coal hosps uh, as laborers about 4,000 local rebellions against collectivization taxation terror and violence by soviet authorities in the early 1930s were recorded by historians the Soviet secret police and the Red Army violently suppressed these uprisings, and they arrested tens of thousands of farmers. They were shot or deported to labor camps. Mike Adams, founder of Free Speech, the free speech platform Brighteon.com, tackled how Holomador is now being engineered to destroy people by starvation. During the October 25th episode of Brighteon Broadcast News, Adams likened the 1930s Holomador to the current situation in Gaza, where Israel put up put a blockade that cut the supply of food, water, energy, and fuel. It just tells you what the globalists intend to do to all of us. Understand that no matter what you think of the different players in the Middle East, Israel versus Hamas, what you are watching is a model of what globalists are planning to do to all of us, regardless of our ethnicity, religion, country, or skin color. It's going to be a global hole, Midori warned. 
He also pointed out the Russia-Ukraine conflict, where the producers of food are being withheld uh, from the food they produce. What is especially horrific is that the withholding of food was used as a weapon of genocide and that it was done in a region of the world known as the breadbasket of Europe. Yeah. And Ukraine is definitely that. I've been there twice, and things grow there like crazy. Um, I used to joke with the people there. I said, when you, when someone dies and you bury them, you got to bury them extra deep so they won't sprout. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can go out in, the, out in the country, and there'll be a, a fruit tree growing, apples, pears, plums, whatever. Nobody tending it, nobody taking care of it, and the fruit on that stuff, is, on those trees, is just absolutely perfect wonderful tastes good far better than anything you can get here in the states uh, just absolutely amazing and they have to do very little things just grow on their own wild like crazy it's amazing anyway um adams further set uh, the west hoax narrative of the climate uh, crisis as an example it's currently causing the world to work toward the total elimination of fossil fuels as sources of energy even though if without enough electricity uh, grid infrastructures to support the energy requirements he re revealed that a total of 21 trillion dollars in new investment is needed in electrical infrastructure to go net zero and 13 million tons of copper to be mined each year in seven years to build power transmission lines. The electrical infrastructure expansion is close to impossible, a pipe dream that won't happen, the BBN host stated. Uh, the unattainable goal will leave people with no reliable energy infrastructure, which will affect worldwide agriculture. This is designed to drive a farming collapse. Let's see here. Uh, I'm not going to play this over two hours long. <laughs> uh, it's probably good, but too long. UK Secretary of State for Defense Grant uh, Grant Shops uh, paid tribute to the victims of the 1932-33 Holomador in Ukraine during a recent visit to the United States. The official said that uh, he laid a wreath at the memorial of, to the Holodor victims in Washington and paid tribute to those who are defending Ukraine's freedom today. Ninety years ago, millions of Ukrainians died in a genocide engineered by the Soviet Union. Now the lives and livelihoods of millions of Ukrainians are again under threat, Shops tweeted on X. You know, thank the Biden abomination for that. And there he is uh, laying the wreath at the Holmador Memorial. Why do we have a memorial to Ukraine in Washington, D.C.? Kind of curious. His social media posts received mixed reactions from ex-users. Some thanked him for remembering the victims, but some pointed out his hypocrisy in this act. Resign, one simply replied. Another one asked, how much did this photo op cost us, Grant? <laughs> was, uh, there was another user who commented, he's thinking, I wonder what I could get for this in cash converters. <laughs> what about the lives of millions of Palestinians who are being killed at the hands of the is terrorist Israel and continue to do so with your consent and support? 
hypocrites, the whole lot of you. The sooner we see the backs of you, the better. <laughs> oh, boy. In another post, Shops uh, said he had he and Lloyd Austin, US, his U.S. counterpart, had discussed the assets the U.S. and U.K. have deployed to the eastern Mediterranean to consider escalation and restore stability in the Middle East following the Hamas terrorist attack. There were also unofficial claims that the U.K. had supplied Ukraine with most of the defense equipment it could have given without asking or without risking its own national defense potential. Shops also announced tens of thousands of artillery projectiles for Ukraine. He also revealed that UK's plans to train 30,000 more Ukrainian military personnel. Critics could not help but recognize the two faces of the British official is showing to the public. One face is sympathetic to previous genocide victims, and the other one supports ongoing wars with weaponry despite awareness that many are dying and many more will in the coming days as the wars are being waged in the Middle East and Ukraine. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. True cost of owning an EV equates to $17.33 a gallon of gas. Wow. 1733 per gallon. Whoa. And that's for everybody. A recent study titled Overcharged Expectation Unmasking the True Cost of Electric Vehicles recently disclosed that owning an electric vehicle comes with a hefty price tag of $17.33 per gallon of gasoline. Study went out amid President Joe Hyden's massive push for the green agenda, switching from gasoline vehicles to electrification, as well as California and other leftist states implementing laws to ban the sale of gas-powered cars by 2035. Boy, you'll really see people moving out of that state then. Texas Public Policy Foundation conducted the, the research, which indicated that EVs do not stand alone in comparison with other vehicles because of the wide array of direct subsidies, regulatory credits, and subsidized infrastructure that contribute to the economic viability of electric vehicles. According to the paper, adding the cost of the subsidies to the true cost of fueling an EV would equate to an EV owner paying $17.33 per gallon of gas. And these estimates do not include the hundreds of billions more in subsidies in the Inflation Reduction Act. It would cost $48,698 more to own a car over a 10-year period without $22 billion in government favors given to EV manufacturers and owners, the piece further revealed. Jeez. The Biden abomination and leftist states such as California have pushed for widespread electrification in less than 20 years through government subsidies and coercive regulations, but the price you see in the lot is not the true cost of an electric vehicle. The study author Jason Isaac said, Electric vehicle owners have been the beneficiaries of regulatory credits, subsidies, and socialized infrastructure costs totaling nearly $50,000 per EV. These costs are borne by gasoline vehicle owners, taxpayers, and utility rate payers, who are all paying a hefty price for someone else's EV. Of course we are. Needless to say, the Austin-based think tank study implied that traditional fossil fuel-powered cars are way more affordable to own than EVs without subsidies. 
It is not an overstatement to say that the federal government is subsidizing EVs to a greater degree than even wind and solar electricity generation and embarking on an unprecedented endeavor to remake the entire American auto industry, the report further said. The Western Journal also reported that, as per the study, about $22 billion in various federal and state forms have... Uh, artificially lowered the price in, of 2021 electric vehicle by almost $50,000, estimating the total cost to other people for the strain on the power grid from charging electric vehicles came out to $11,833 over 10 years. Worse, these come from taxpayers and utility ratepayers' pockets. Oh, the study from the public or Texas Public Policy Foundation TPPF found, for example, the average 2021 electric vehicle would cost $48,698 more to own over a 10-year period without $22 billion in government favors given to EV manufacturers and owners. First-of-a-kind analysis reveals true cost of owning and operating EVs without, um, without G... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> study by conservative think tank has determined that electric vehicles would cost oodles more if it weren't for all the subsidies. Meanwhile, state and federal subsidies have eight, shaved $8,984 on average from the real cost of the electric vehicles over 10 years, while someone else pays more, the report said. The stark the stark reality for proponents of EVs and for the dreamers in the federal government who are using fuel economy regulations to force manufacturers to produce more, ever more EVs is that the true cost of, the, of an EV is no way close to, the, it's, uh, to a comparable, I guess I mean gas car, the report said. Uh, the study further discussed uh, that commuters are now prefer, uh, preferring to to use or take hybrid vehicles more than electric vehicles. Uh, perhaps if D.C. politicians and bureaucrats stop trying to force Americans to build and buy their preferred types of vehicles, the cleaner and brighter future that they imagine will actually materialize, it added. It's time for federal and state governments to stop driving the American auto industry off an economic cliff to allow markets to drive further improvements in cost and efficiency. For TPPF's Brent Bennett, following the, the, the said study, it would be, a false, uh, would be false to claim that EVs will soon cost less than gas-powered cars. This study shows that EVs are still a long way from being competitive without massive subsidies. The Biden abomination's stringent fuel economy standards and regulatory manipulations are driving American automakers towards bankruptcy and adding thousands of dollars to the cost of every gasoline vehicle. Rolling back these subsidies and burdensome regulations would save consumers money and stop the auto industry from falling off a financial cliff, he said. Overcharged Expectations was submitted as part of a public comment on the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration's proposed fuel economy standards. EVs are the next big flop. <laughs> According to Steve Moore, former President uh, D Donald Trump's economist, EVs may uh, be the auto market's next big flop. In investing in them is uh, and investing in them has been a bad bet. Henry Ford's son was named Edsel, and uh, this was going to be a great car. All of the executives said. <laughs> 
This is the car everybody's going to want to buy. Ford made 500,000 of these new sedan cars, but guess what? Moore said on Varney and Company Monday, nobody bothered to ask consumers whether they wanted the car. He pointed out that Edsel was one of the great flops of all times. He he then warned, if these trends continue, we're going to see an EV market become the next big flop because car buyers don't want them. Recently, the EV push at Ford and General Motors hit a speed bump that's cutting into the automaker's profits and causing them to reevaluate their electric plans amid a price war and supply chain challenges. Fox Business reported that Ford noted in its earnings report released last week that the EV unit posted a quarterly loss before interest and taxes of $1.33 billion an acceleration over after a loss of $1.08 billion the prior quarter. It added that it's cutting production of its Mustang Mach-E, oh geez, while scaling back about $12 billion in planned investments in the EV segment, including delaying its second battery plant in Kentucky. Man, they are hemorrhaging money on these things. And that's just Ford. Whew. I haven't seen one catch fire yet. I think that would be pretty interesting, as long as I'm not close by. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Women drop out of Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament after being forced to fight male trans women. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. New poll. RFK Jr. takes a 22% of voter support in a three-way race with Biden and Trump. Well, one thing's for sure. If he does that, it would make it a whole lot harder for them to steal the next election. Hmm. I wonder if they're planning for that. Probably by getting us into a war and canceling the election altogether. New York Supreme Court reinstates workers fired for being unvaccinated with back pay. Well, that's good. Got a nice break. Get your money back. Bioweapons Down Under, Queensland, Australia, has to become a hub for mRNA vaccines and therapies. Oh, goody. Return of the mask. China recommends faith coverings amid rising COVID-19 cases. I got a kick out of that when the 911 operator was calling and taking the call about that uh, abortion uh, case. Any COVID symptoms? Give me a break. Alone in the desert, South Africa, Chad joined diplomatic boycott of Israel, adding to the growing list of countries protecting or protesting against Israel's genocide in Gaza. Bayer AG lost three Roundup-related verdicts, totaling more than $500 million in less than two weeks. Good! I'd like to see them go totally belly up as a result of that stuff. Shame on them for buying Monsanto. AI anxiety is on the rise as computers get super smart. Jim? Yes, sir. May I read the remedy? Remedy to what? All of it. (laughs) Knock yourself out, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah, this is coming out of a a thing called the Book of Hundreds. It's a common law uh, book uh, based in... um, a Christian Jural Society, and um, they're uh, uh, 
they're the people who are using the uh, the uh, um, uh, common law um, abatement procedures. Anyways, this is what he has to say here. Um, Many so-called patriots demand the rights of our forefathers, yet deny the sole source of these rights, Almighty God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and the Christian common law, which preserves them. If Christ is denied, then they are deemed by him to his father, then they are denied by him to his father. Hence, these patriots, I have to flip here, no rights, common in all good and lawful Christians, and for this reason have no standing in law, because it, because it is a venue separate and distinct from equity. Every system of law known to civilized society generated from or had as its components one of three well-known systems of ethics, pagan, stoic, or Christian. The common law draws its subsistence from the latter. Its roots go deep into that system. The Christian concept of right and wrong or right and justice motivates every rule of equity. It is the guide by which we dissolve domestic frictions and rules by which all legal controversies are settled. The, re the Christian religion is the established religion by our form of government, and all denominations are placed on an equal footing and equally entitled to protection in their religious liberty. That sort of sums it up, doesn't it? Now I can say it even quicker. Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. <laughs> Pretty much the same Amen. thing. Yep. Yeah. Because people. So this have, is an ex ex give us. This a is an excellent book. Yep. This is an excellent book, by the way, for people who want to know the history. The first part of this book is about the history of the common law and the big thieves in it, which number one is Lincoln and then later Roosevelt. Um, and it, there's stuff in here that I'm a history buff, Jim, and I'm learning a lot by reading. And, and everything is got footnotes and sources of where they're coming from on every page. Um, the only ones they don't is his commentary as you read through it, um, yeah, based on the quotes being being taken here. I mean, the Libra Code to this guy was really quite the scholar, German, and he was wounded on the battlefield of Waterloo. Hmm. Um, it gives history here about the, the things like that, who he was, and then they build into how he was hired by Lincoln and that we're basically living under that code today. Um, how Lincoln was an atheist, etc. He'd even wrote in a book about it, and one of his friends burned it. He says, because if anybody found this and published it, you'd never be able to run for office in this country. So, and, and like the Knights of the Golden Circle, I always thought were started in the South and were like a secret Mason society that was 
all for the separation of the states uh, from the Union in the South, and uh, lo and behold, these guys are stating in here that the North is what wanted the South to separate, and they were the money and the source of starting that organization. So just a lot of good stuff in it. Yeah, I just put a uh, link in the chat room for a uh, free co a PDF copy of it. So you can just go click that link and download it right there. Uh, yeah, it's a 309 pages in total. Yeah. Um, but uh, that first just historical part is just really worth reading. I mean, there's it, it's given me a lot of que questions actual, actually for my daddy. Uh, I... I found, I had mentioned, and I don't know if you remember, in one of the, I asked Mike uh, some weeks ago about these acts that Lincoln, or that Jefferson passed, that brought in um, international um, government into, into D.C. for the first time, and he wasn't familiar with it, and it details it in here uh, to some extent where I think I'll be able to get Michael on the, uh, the path of it, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's great, great stuff. Yeah, I'd have tempted to print this thing out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let me go back to that page. I think it's on page eighteen um, or nineteen. I think where he talks about that part. Um, oh yeah, here it is. It's uh, uh, two acts of Jefferson relate to to a large picture. First, he signed into a law an act to bring international law into his office. Since the act and others governed the conduct of the armies and the navies, uh, their use came solely under the discretion of the president and commander-in-chief. The act was the Articles of War. Second was a series of acts defending foreign policy with England and France, which led to the War of 1812. Though this war did not take place under Jefferson, it was still caused by his foreign policy. It began with Jefferson's embargoing on shipping to England and France during the war in Europe. Jefferson's embargo led to a devastating economic depression in New England. His new power alarmed the North and led, led to the Hartford Convention years later, which sought to find ways of curbing the president's power in times of war and crisis. The convention's recommendations were utterly ignored. Uh, to fully understand the issues, the history of the Hartford Convention should be studied f fully. It is, as a prelogue to it, the following is offered. So he gives a little uh, insight into it, but uh, really wants to challenge you to go further in, in looking at that. But uh, these guys are sourcing our problems beginning with Jefferson, essentially. Wow. Cool. Gotta love it. Lots of good information yeah, think, out there. And I think uh, you'd really enjoy this. And like I said, everything's footnoted. That's good. And uh, be careful if you go to Amazon. There's a book of hundreds, but it's a, not this. <laughs> it's a hun first hundred things to do to eat to place or whatever. <laughs> so it's like a travel guide. But um, yeah, this, this thing wasn't easy to find. It was a whole bunch of, if you believe in coincidences, that led me here. <laughs> did you actually find a hard copy of it? 
I have got a PDF and have and had it have it printed out. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the PDF's real easy. That was the first thing that came up in my search. <laughs> Finding a hard copy might be a different story. Um, yeah, to make sure you got the right one, Jim. That the first page. It's the fourth edition revised with um, updates, and uh, it then it says containing mm-hmm. the prolegomenon mean to curtain marshal rule matters concerning his lawful assembly and non-statutory abatement handbook <laughs> yep that's the right one yep that's uh and that's the one i put that's the first thing i put in the uh, chat room so you can download it right there and uh cool yeah i may uh i may go ahead and print this it'd be you know if i do it both sides it'd be about 150 sheets that wouldn't be that bad yeah, three, I had it done and bound at my at my. I had it done and I had it printed and bound in a little spiral, you know, plastic mm-hmm. spiral by yeah. my printer. I think they charged me forty one dollars for it. That's not bad. I've got everything to do it myself, so I've got my own binder and the whole shooting match. Of course, it's, the binder's out in my storage building, so it may have rusted. <laughs> I need to go out and check that thing. <laughs> but my house yeah. is so full of crap, there's no place in here for it. <laughs> uh. And he, he quotes from all these professors of Harvard and Yale back in the day when we were still a common law country, and then mm-hmm. he, they quote, quote them after Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> Things and it have becomes changed. a sort of different story. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, I don't see anything in here that shows the uh, original date that it was uh, written. That could be, but my um, understanding, this is all done in the late 90s, Hmm. or mid-90s, let's say. These guys were successful at that time with these abatements all throughout the United States. Why you don't hear about them today is still a great question for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't want anybody to know about this stuff. The abatement process is pretty powerful. And uh last thing they want is somebody having something they can use that would embarrass the powers that be. Man. Well, essentially, if you want to sum up everything that they're saying here is since the Civil War, there's been no law because there are no rules in, 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 in military control. Mm-hmm. They're capricious, they're arbitrary, that's why people are sort of at their wits' end of trying to find something there where there's consistency. But there's no basis for this stuff. Right. Where in common law, it was the Bible. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the true understanding of the law in this country was that if you made a law and it was anti-Bible in any way, it was bad law. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now, Satan has done such a good job convincing everybody that uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, um, they've got they've got one, one section in here uh, called Enter the Dragon. <laughs> Speaking of the devil, right? Yep. And... This is this is way back in it, it's 
Ten years before Lincoln took office, Congress passed the Limited Liability Act of 1851, which is in many ways a watershed bill because it marks the point in legislative history of Congress where the where that body made a clear determination to, to depart from Christian law and adopt to legislate the humanist religion. Before this act, Congress passed legislation that was often questionable or in part contrary to, to God's law. In, in this, there was no doubt. The act directly impacted a Christian church who had incorporated in that it provided limited liability for any who incorporate, i.e. it created a veil of protection between the creators of the corporation and the fictional corporation itself. In truth, it allowed incorporators to avoid the consequences of unlawful or illegal acts by the, by the corporation. A Christian pastor, for example, was not liable for some act done by his church corporation with violation of civil law. The same was true for the unincorporators of regular for nonprofit corporations. The law of God, of course, demands that all men be held accountable for their actions that are contrary to this law. And this was the area when the Unitarian churches, which were really Antichrist churches, which another thing that Jefferson was started the anti-abolition or the abolition movement and supported characters like John Brown and you know the Knights of the Golden Circle, etc. And they couldn't be held liable for a lot of this stuff if they were pressed. It's diabolical how far back this corporation on churches went. Eighteen fifty-one. Basically, yep. We've really stepped away. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And well, we got about five minutes left. Anybody else have any comments, questions, concerns, any anything? Feel free to jump in. Use the last few minutes and talk about whatever, or not. Goodness, oh my! Well, did, did you did you did you ever get a chance to take a look at that uh, psychiatrist oh, thing? Man. No, uh, I haven't. <laughs> Every time I think about it, I'm I'm not by the computer, and I get sidetracked and forget about it. It's just one thing after another. That is absolutely amazing. You know, Murr did a piece on that a few weeks ago on RBN. That's how I got wind of it. But then I, she just took excerpts out of there. I thought it was important to get into it a little bit deeper, but it's amazing, Jim. I mean, this guy's basically proving that psychiatry is a joke, a made-up thing. Again, another thing by oh, the yeah. tribe, right? And that these people who are schizophrenic and hearing voices are actually demon-possessed. That's what I've always figured, you know. And it, you know, I mean, it's. But I mean, if you say that, and people say, "Yeah, right." Well, if you listen to this guy's um, interview, it's pretty. I mean, he was. He didn't want to believe it. You know, he was school oh, yeah. trained and what this is all about and everything, but he wasn't willing to buy it without testing it. 
and he, he tested it, and he, he had criteria, and he says that there's no way that there's any randomness here. This is always the same thing all the time. He says if it was a hallucination, there would be randomness in it, but it's not. It's always the same old negative crap. And uh, when, when he pushed it hard, it actually manifested in the physical world with him, which is a great story in there as well. Well, yeah, yeah. I got. I'm, I'm hoping to get to it. I just don't know when. I've got so much going on. That's why you know I I can't hear. I can't listen. The only other shows I listen to are Mike's shows on Friday and Saturday because others I you know, and sometimes I have to just get the replays and I put them on my phone and do it while I'm doing other things. I've got so much going on. I'm never sitting still long enough to take a look at anything. But hopefully, one of these days I'll get to it. I've got the uh, got the uh, link, so I will do my best. Yeah, it's it's the best interview that's there. I think is the one with Ryder Lee, um, is the interviewer, and uh, Marzinski. I think on the site it's, it's the first one. I, I think that's the one I sent you. But. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, well, let's see here. This one was dated the thirtieth. I'm seeing what it brings up. Uh, Jerry Marzinski and Sherry Swiney. Swiney? Swiney. Hmm. So I've still got it here. Just a matter of getting the time to take a look at it. But hopefully. (laughs) There's really not too much graphic in it. You just, it's a good listener. You know, if you just want to listen in the That's background cool. or something. Maybe I'll just down. I'll see if I can download it, put it on my phone, and that way I can listen to it while I'm doing other stuff, running around cleaning the stalls and cutting grass and whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there's there's really no need to 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 have the the graphics because there's it's is yeah, yeah okay cool. I will maybe I can do that. Well, we're just about out of time here, man. It's gone fast, but uh, and we'll be back tomorrow with Mike and Cal and DW, and a uh, good time will be had by all, <laughs> I'm sure. Not sure what we're going to be talking about, as usual, um, but I'm sure it's going to be good. So, anywho, um, just waiting for my little chimer to start chiming just to make sure. And uh, the dogs, yep, the dogs are already up here looking at me like they want their dinner. <laughs> And we've got four <laughs> mouths. Take those dog watches off of them, Jim. I'm telling you what, they—it's they, internal. They—they <laughs> they don't call them watchdogs for nothing. But I'll tell you what, their watches are inside. Ziva's just sitting here looking at me like I'm going to bite you. <laughs> and I don't know if you just heard that, that was Cooper the Wonder Pooch. He's trying to sound off. <laughs> but uh, and we're babysitting a rat dog for our uh, missionary friends for a week or so. But we are out of time. Appreciate everybody being here. Uh, again, be back tomorrow with Mike Callan, DW. Take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. We'll see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful afternoon and God bless. <laughs>